I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, talking a little Hawkeye football, whether you like it or not. Now, here, here's here's what I'm going to try to do here. And uh, and some of you aren't going to like it. Uh, some of you may be cheering in the background. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to be upfront about what, what my plan is here for the next several minutes uh, here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Uh, if this isn't what you're looking for, I understand. Uh, go ahead and go on with the rest of your day. Uh, join me tomorrow as I do a uh, opposition research podcast and start looking at the Northwestern game. Uh, join me after that game for an instant reaction podcast. And check out HawkeyeNation.com for uh, coverage of, of all Hawkeye sports in, in all areas. We had some really cool news out of uh, the Iowa Women's basketball program today is Caitlin Clark is a back-to-back preseason first-team All-American. That's the first Hawkeye a women's basketball player to ever achieve that. Um, obviously, Iowa is expected to, to make a lot of noise in women's basketball this year behind Caitlin Clark, uh, one of the favorites for player of the year and all of those things. I'm also very excited about the men's season. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, but I think where – Fran McCaffrey has this program right now is a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. So yeah, check all of that out at uh, at HawkeyeNation.com and, uh, and and stick with me here. What I want to do today is just be a little beacon of light. It's a little beacon of maybe not hope, uh, maybe of rationality in a really dark storm. And this is a dark storm. And I guess I'll start there by just kind of laying out, you know, all of the obvious, the offense is terrible. Iowa was routed 54-10 by Ohio State. Um, things went from bad to worse for the Iowa offense. They they couldn't move the ball. Six turnovers should have been seven probably. Um, you you finally got the change in quarterback that people had been clamoring for, but it was a, a weird time to make that change at halftime at the horseshoe against one of the best teams in the country, and a tragedy that even Shakespeare couldn't have written when Alex Padilla fumbles the first snap that he takes, throws an interception on the third snap, uh, has a statistically worse game than Spencer Petrus did in the first half, and, and that's saying something. Petrus threw an interception on his first snap, through a pick six, which really took Iowa out of the game at that point. Um, Iowa was never truly in the game. They had a lead thanks to an incredible play by Joe Evans, just an incredible individual effort uh, to, to sack C.J. Stroud, uh, pick up, get up, pick up the football and run it into the end zone. Uh, in, incredible. Uh, and, and for the Iowa defense to hold, Ohio State to four field goals in that first half when Ohio State got the ball inside Iowa's 30 each of those four possessions. Um 
You know, give up 54 points. It's hard to praise the offense a whole or the defense rather a whole lot, but uh, we we can do that. Those of us who watch the game and understand the context of all this uh, can, can understand that a really good defense can give up 54 points when the floodgates break open uh, in the second half when they're on the field constantly and then the offense can't uh, not just not do them any favors, but really really hurt them in in a lot of ways by giving Ohio State short fields and all of that. Uh, so it went really really badly for Iowa on Saturday in Columbus. It was, and, and things have gone really badly all season for Iowa's offense. So, like, I don't want to try to sugarcoat this. I don't want you to think that I'm going to try to make the case that Iowa is something it's not. I'm as frustrated by this as you are. I promise you. I hate watching this as much as you do. I promise you. This isn't fun. It's not fun for me. I know it's not fun for you. It's not fun for the players or the coaches or anybody involved. I'm not going to tell you to not be upset. The season is bad. It's been bad. It's not over, but it's been awful, especially offensively. Again, there's no sugarcoating that. There's no denying it. And I haven't seen anybody try to defend this offense or the way it's played this season outside of, I guess, the coaching staff defending it to some extent, although that that has really gone away uh, as well. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Iowa has become a, a laughing stock nationally, offensively. And it's it's low-hanging fruit for national columnists and pundits and podcasters and broadcasters to talk about Iowa's offense and talk about the nepotism that is Brian Ferentz being the offensive coordinator and talk about the long tenure of Kirk Ferentz and how it's gotten stale and da-da-da-da-da. I get it. It's low-hanging fruit. Um, to the national media, I know so many of them are listening Hey, spare your worry or despair on our behalf. We'll be just fine. Don't feel sorry for us as Iowa fans. I just hate that. I hate that crap. Think about the fans. Think, yeah, we we we're here. We've been here. We know what's going on. We're more plugged in than you are. You can do your little drive by on Iowa football and and try to make it as though you're you're speaking on behalf of us. Now we're good. We're okay. Spare it for us. Don't feel sorry for us. We got ourselves into this. We'll get ourselves out of it. Um, I also just want to kind of dismiss a couple of things out of hand. I do not believe that Kirk Ferentz is trolling us when he talks to the media, when he talks about practice, when he talks about Spencer Petras giving them the best chance to win. I do not believe he's doing it just because he's so stubborn and I do not believe he's doing it out of pride. I also don't believe he's doing it because Brian Ferentz is his son. Now, as a father, I understand it would be difficult to look objectively at your kid. Is Kirk Ferentz too proud? Yeah, maybe. That's not why he's doing this. Is he too stubborn? Yeah, again, maybe. But that's not why he's doing this. He's not intentionally doing this. And that's the part of this. It's fun to have that conversation. I know it's fun to make our jokes on Twitter and on podcast. I get it. I'm there too, right? But I do not believe that Kirk Ferentz is doing this 
for any reason other than that this is what what he thinks is best for the team, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to go there. And, and maybe you are, and maybe I'm a I'm too big of a defender of his, and maybe I'm you know a, a coach defender in general because you've heard me on this podcast defending Fran McCaffrey for a long time. Um, and Kirk Ferentz doesn't need me to defend him. But I do not believe, and I will not entertain the thought that this is some sort of intentional thing to like screw us over or to show us or to show the media or to prove people wrong, right? I do not believe he's putting Spencer Petrus out there or he's afraid, I've seen this, he's afraid that Alex Padilla is going to do do well and make him and Brian look bad, so he doesn't want... That's why they put him out there against Ohio State, because they knew he would look bad. And if they, if they if they put him out there against Northwestern and he looks good, it's going to make Kirk Ferentz look bad. No. Winning makes Kirk Ferentz look good. Losing makes Kirk Ferentz look bad. Period. Period. So I, I, I want to dismiss all of that also. Again, I'm as frustrated by this as you are. I, I have eyes. I see this. I see this offense. I don't like it. I get upset every Saturday watching it. But what I'm trying to do is just give a little bit of context and maybe just encourage you to take a breath, to tap the brakes, to slow down. Because what I've seen this week, and it's been growing over the last couple of weeks, but this week in particular... And it's kind of blowing up again this afternoon as Kirk Ferentz uh, had the audacity to say something bad about the media. Um, is this anti-Kirk Ferentz sentiment. And not even just an anti-Kirk Ferentz sentiment, a sentiment that he it's his tenure is over and it's time to move on. I just, I don't think we are there yet. First of all, it's not realistic. He's owed too much money. He has Gary Barta by the short hairs. Um... It's not going to happen. I don't believe Kirk Ferris is going to retire after this season. I don't. I also don't believe it's time to run him out of town. I think talk of his legacy, talk of the state of the program being in shambles is going too far. It's, a, it's an emotional reaction to a bad season. That's what it is. I do believe a change will be made this offseason at offensive coordinator. It, it absolutely has to be made. And as stubborn as Kirk Ferentz can be and as complicated as this situation clearly is with his eldest son, Kirk Ferentz has eyes also. He's not blind. He's not going to let the program fall into disarray because he's too proud to make a change. Again, maybe you disagree with me on that, and that's okay. I'm okay with Kirk Ferentz not firing Brian Ferentz in the middle of the season. Partially because that's not how he does things. He has never fired a coach in the middle of the season. I don't think he ever will fire a coach in the middle of the season. He's made it very clear. He evaluates things after the season. They go into a season with a plan, and they work that plan as best they can during the season. And if a change needs to be made, it'll be made after the season. But mostly I'm okay with that change not happening right now because I don't think it's going to fix anything this season. I don't think firing Brian Ferentz changes this offense. I don't think, honestly, that putting Alex Padilla in at quarterback drastically changes this offense. Now, hopefully Alex Padilla 
gets some more time. Maybe he'll be the starter. Uh, they haven't made that decision yet, apparently, going into the Northwestern game. But let's say Alex Padilla is the starter, and the offense makes some small improvements over the next few weeks. I think that's about as good as you can hope for. But there is a large extent to which this offense is what it is this season. And what it is is really bad. Again, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this or, or, or pretend like it's not happening. And yes, Kirk Ferentz is to blame for all of this. They're running his offense. These are his players that he recruited and that he coached. The coaches on that staff are people that he hired and he has developed. Okay? This is on him. But there's noise that's emerging from our fan base about Kirk Ferentz's legacy or the state of the program overall is just going too far. Maybe this is the start of the end of the Kirk Ferentz era. Maybe Kirk's legacy will be tainted by this. But we just need to pump the brakes on that. We don't know. The season isn't over. This is the first bad season since at least 2014. And if it is ultimately a losing season, which we don't know, it would be the first losing season since 2012. Iowa has won 10 games two of the past three seasons. The one they didn't was 2020, COVID. They went six and two, won six in a row, probably would have won eight in a row and gone eight and two had Michigan and Maryland, or um, Missouri rather, been able to play at the end of that year. This program is not in shambles. Now you can make the argument that they went 10 and four last year despite the offense and and you're 100% right. That's a valid point. But they were good enough to win those games. This is bad. And it's probably not going to get a lot better this season. And I, I get that. And I get why it's frustrating. But Kirk Ferentz has earned the chance to make a change and rebound from this. He has. He deserves a chance to change the offense, to use the transfer portal to find another quarterback, to take his elite defense and special teams, and to rebuild this team and try to make a turnaround like he did between 2014 and 2015. Now, maybe he can do it. Maybe he can't. I don't know. I can't see the future. But he has absolutely earned the opportunity to try. And this talk that halfway through his first bad season in nearly a decade, and and it's time to run him out out of town, and everything is in shambles. I mean, I was coming off its best five, six, seven-year span in the history of the program. Iowa has some of its best recruiting classes coming in. They've missed on some things. They haven't developed people the way that that you'd want them to. The offensive line is not good. The quarterback play is not good. They've had injury issues with, with some of the weapons, but even those weapons are unproven at best. But two things can be true. It can be okay to acknowledge that things aren't good right now, that this is a bad season, that this offense is historically bad. And also acknowledge that Kirk Ferentz doesn't need to be fired because he's had one bad season. It has to be okay for Iowa to have a bad season now and then. It just does. It has to be okay. If you want a team that's never going to have a bad season, that's never going to have a losing record, that's never going to win fewer than 10 games, there's a bunch of those out there. I would encourage you to go be a fan of those teams. And I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to say you're, you're not a real Hawkeye fan, but let's just try to be realistic about this. Just take a breath. Pump the brakes. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying be happy about this. I'm not saying don't care about this. 
I'm not saying it's not bad, and I'm not saying it's absolutely going to get better. What I'm saying is you have to give it time to play out. We don't know how these next five games are going to go. These next five teams are not very good. Now, we're not very good either. We've been close in some of these games. We played really good defenses. I think uh, according to one of the tweets I saw with you know one of the, the rankings of defenses where I was ranked number two, I think four of our games have been against top 12 defenses this year. Now, I, I, this offense probably wouldn't look good against the Sisters of the Poor, but you have to put some context into this, right, and acknowledge some of this. I hope Alex Padilla wins this job this week. I don't know how he hasn't already. That's frustrating to me also. I don't know why you don't just give him this week for sure, regardless of what happens in practice. Um, give him a week with the ones. Give him a legitimate opportunity. Give him a team, a, a game against a bad defense in Northwestern to gain some confidence, to earn some trust, to earn some fans. At the very least, don't let Spencer Peters go out there and get booed by 65,000 or however many show up on Saturday afternoon. You put Alex Pitti out there, he's going to get cheered. You put Spencer Petrus out there, he's going to get booed. Now, they're all going to get booed if it doesn't look good. And that's too bad, but that's where we are. But we don't know how this season is going to go yet. We don't know that they're a 3-9 and nine team. They could be. They could be a 7-5 seven and, seven and five team. All right? And, and, and again, I want to make this clear. Even if they are a 7-5 and five team, that doesn't absolve any of the blame for any of the issues we've seen. I don't think the offense is going to change drastically, even if they win some of these games, and I do think changes will need to be made in the offseason. I think Kirk Ferentz has earned the opportunity to make those changes. Now, if I'm a betting man, do I bet that he allows whoever the next offensive coordinator is to come in and drastically change things? No, probably not. Probably not. But he's earned the right to, to try. If I'm a betting man, do I bet that Iowa wins four of its next five games and ends up having a decent season? No, I, I, I would not bet that. But they deserve the chance to try. And to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater halfway through the first bad season in a decade is unfathomable to me. I just don't understand. I get the frustration. I get the anger. I get why it's aimed at Kirk Ferentz. It should be. It's why he makes that salary. It's why he has that job. It's what he's dealt with for 25 years. It's why he's there. I get it. But, man, there needs to be just a little bit of restraint or maybe just a little bit of context. I just, I've, I've been disappointed by the number of people and the type of people I've seen turn tail this quickly on this program. And I know you're doing it out of the goodness of your hearts. I know you're doing it because you love the Hawkeyes and you want to see them do well. And it hurts you like it hurts me to have them not doing well. I get all that. <sighs> Take a breath. If you don't want to watch Saturday, don't watch. If you can't watch the rest of the games, don't. But starting to go fund me to fire Kirk Ferentz saying you're going to fly a banner over the stadium saying fire Kirk Ferentz. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, that's where I'm at with that. 
All right, you know that's about all I have in me. Uh, I got uh, the we're gonna we're gonna talk with a uh, somebody from inside NU Northwestern uh, game coming up. Obviously, it feels like the, the 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 for sure win on Iowa's schedule left now. Again, you know Wisconsin just lost to a bad uh, Michigan State team before beating Purdue. I think I think Wisconsin is a winnable game. All five games are winnable. The Purdue game. Just you don't feel good about that because you never feel good about that. Maybe you throw Wisconsin and Minnesota in there as well. Who knows what Nebraska is going to look like come Black Friday? But none of these teams are great, and neither are we. But there's no point in giving up hope at this point. I don't think. Uh, so I'm going to talk with a with a Northwestern writer. Uh, on Wednesday, we will have the Opposition Research Podcast for that. On Thursday, Joe Schmelke and I will have the HawkeyeNation.com radio show that airs uh, at 7 o'clock on 106.3 KXNO in Des Moines or anywhere on the iHeartRadio app. It will also be posted here on the podcast feed. And, uh, you know, J- John Bonencamp, Rick Brown, Rob Howe, they've got this thing covered from all angles at HawkeyeNation.com. We do appreciate you sticking with us. We do appreciate your support. I do appreciate you listening. And, hey, go Hawks! Go Hawks!